everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. I'm William Locke, and joining me, as he does for every college football podcast, is Joe Sieben. Joe, another week is in the books. Another exciting week of college football. How are you, how are you feeling when you sit here on this Tuesday after week two, heading into week three? Week two is fantastic. NFL's back as well, so football's in uh, full swing, full effect, and there were some great games in, in week two. I got to give myself a pat in the back and another solid betting week. So we'll cool back to our covers and, you know, obviously the big upset for Texas, but some primetime games. And I don't know, I think college football is better when Texas is back. I, I would agree. We also have Notre Dame, major brand. Uh, they're 3-0. and Miami, sneakily 2-0 and as well. Uh, Michigan, you know, 2-0. and So all the big brands uh, are back. USC is obviously very prominent this year. So it's good when we have all of these major brands kind of, uh, you know, relevant in the rankings this year. So, yeah, it's fun. Uh, maybe we get a Texas-USC playoff game, a little rematch of that Vince Young National Championship. That, w- that would be something. Obviously, we're going to start this podcast talking about the Texas-Alabama game before we get into some other notes. You know, uh, the Pac-12 starting out really hot this season, Iowa beating Iowa State. You got, you know, Notre Dame starting out 3-0, like I mentioned, uh, Kansas sneakily 2-0, um, and, and we'll kind of dive into all the Week 2 action that that you might have missed, uh, that you might want to hear us talk about, whatever, and then we'll get into to Week 3. We do have to, you know, acknowledge that Week 3 is is a bit of a weaker slate, um, but don't don't fret. You know, we'll have our locks of the week, uh, games of the week, upsets of the week, all, all of that as well, some players to watch. As we turn the page and head into Week 3, just note that Week four, while, while week three is is bleak, week four, you're going to be sitting on your couch all Saturday watching football. So uh, stay tuned for that. But Joe, I mean, obviously the story of last weekend was Texas beating Bama 34-24 in Tuscaloosa. What were your major takeaways from the game? You mentioned Texas being back. Are they are they a lock to make the college football playoff? I wouldn't call them a lock to make the playoff, but I mean, they're dangerous. You knock off Alabama and Tuscaloosa. This team's for real. The burn orange is back. Texas is back. So hook them horns. I was on them before the game and they came in. It was, it was a good game. I mean, the under was looking like it was going to hit till the fourth quarter and, and Texas really just came alive there. Um, they played close the whole game and just dominated the fourth quarter. Um, you know, made some timely plays. Offense came up uh, big throw by Quinn Ewers. And, um, you know, Alabama, I don't think they're out of it by any means. It's going to be a, a good loss if you can have one. It's early in the season. But Texas in the fourth quarter especially, it was that offense that controlled the line of scrimmage. They came up big when plays needed to be made. And kind of some uncharacteristic Alabama, you know, miscues, I'd say, especially to end the game. You know, they're probably going to lose anyways. But, you know, a, a false start or a, uh, jumping off sides on a, a fourth mm-hmm. down that Texas probably mm-hmm. wasn't going to go for. I mean, just unsaving like miscues that that cost them in this game. And, um to win in a place like Tuscaloosa, I mean, they're battle-tested early in the season. So Texas is a scary team. I think clearly the front-runner here in the Big 12 now. Yeah, definitely the I would agree the front-runner in the Big 12. And, you know, there's two sides to this game, obviously, as, as is true with, with any game. But this one especially, you, you have – and, and we talked about this a little bit in our preview last week. You now have the feeling that Texas is back. They're legit. They have a ton of athletes, Xavier Worthy, Adani Mitchell, uh, Jatavion Sanders. Their tight end went for five catches, 114 yards. Uh, Quinn Ewers looked like an NFL quarterback, you know, 20, 24 for 38, 349 yards and three touchdowns. Was, you know, lofting the ball with a lot of high arc accurately down the field to his receivers that were, you know, creating space and, and getting open. So you, on one hand, and, and also, you know, we have to talk about Texas, Texas dominating the line of scrimmage five sacks to Alabama zero. They were getting pressure on Miller 
all game. Uh, and Bama just had no answer for him. Uh, and, and we always talk about the SEC being a line of scrimmage league. Texas kind of took it to Bama, um, obviously, especially in, in fourth quarter and in winning time. So you have to feel great about Texas moving forward um, as a playoff contender. And then also, like, you have so many question marks around this Alabama team. Uh, their offense looked really bad. Uh, they, they just don't have the dudes that they had, right, in, in previous seasons. Milro is not Bryce Young. He's not Tua Tagovailoa. Derrick Henry is not at running back anymore. There's no Devontae Smith at wide receiver. Kind of all of that Alabama first-round talent that I talked about in the season preview podcast, especially on offense, just isn't there anymore. Uh, so, you know, Bama, for example, Bama's running backs had 63 yards on 20 carries. It's just so unsaving-like. You know, Milrow, 14 of 28, 255 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. He might not even be the starter at the end of the season. So you have to feel really good about Texas. And then there's just so many question marks about Alabama heading into SEC play. Um, but you're right. They do have, I would say, the schedule to make up for it. But it can lead into, you know, kind of our next topic is like the SEC is kind of in trouble where they've been struggling so much in in the non-conference that, I, I mean, it could be a one-bid league, league already. You know, Alabama kind of has to run the table and beat Georgia in an SEC championship game if they want to make the playoff at this point. Yeah, and I, I mean, a couple points on that too would be, you know, biggest thing for the game for me, like Milrow played fine like he's dynamic he has flashes but he made mistakes that you just can't make in a game against texas at home for an alabama team i i mean i just save and think about making the switch to is it buchner buckner i, I forget yeah. how to say it but it's tommy reese's guy from notre dame he knows the offense and i mean you can't afford another loss here it's gonna be a gauntlet the rest of the way and to the second point of the sec maybe playing themselves into a one big league because you to look at LSU and Alabama, both with great losses, but they play each other. They're not going to make it with two losses, you know, yeah. let alone to the conference championship um, and then to the playoffs. So it might be a situation like the Big 12 where teams start playing each other out of contention because they start losing to each other late in the season. I mean, Ole Miss is in the mix. They've got Alabama coming up soon. So um could make some really fun games. But, yeah, it's going to be tough to get multiple teams this year out of that out of that league. Yeah, Bama is 4-3. and three in their last seven power five games, they suffered their first double digit home defeat since 2004. So that would obviously be the first in the Saban era. The rest of the way, I mean, they got Ole Miss at home on the 23rd of this month at Mississippi state. Uh, they go at A&M home versus Tennessee. will be a tough one home versus LSU as well. Uh, and then at Auburn to end the season. So, you know, that SEC West certainly does not look as formidable as it has in, in recent years. Um, so they, they would have to, you know, win out and, and beat Georgia in a title game to make it. And then when you look at it from a Texas perspective, you know, great win last weekend, but they have a sneaky tough one at home against a 2-0 and Wyoming team this weekend. Unfortunately, that game's on Longhorn Network, which I don't think anybody outside the state of Texas has. Um, they go at Baylor primetime. That's a tough one. Uh, obviously, they have the Oklahoma game and then Kansas State at home later in the year and, and then, you know, home versus Texas Tech. So, I mean, you know, the schedule bodes well for Texas, but it's all, it would also be very Texas for them to, like, lose a random game at Iowa State or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can't get caught sleeping, especially, you know, a week like this, not a lot of primetime games coming off a game in Tuscaloosa knocking off the tide. Be careful. Be careful. I'm not calling it my upside of the week, but Wyoming, I mean – they're knocked off Texas Tech, so they, they can play with the big dogs. 
I would just feel so bad for Texas fans if they actually were to <laughs> lose that game. It would be the most Texas thing ever. Wyoming, baby. <laughs> Biggest win in the program's history since since like uh, probably the mid-2000s, I would say. And, and and then they just lose the next week in Wyoming. I mean, they're not going to lose that game. I'd be stunned, but I, I'm not. I don't have the spread in front of me. I I wouldn't be shocked if Wyoming covers it because uh, that's a that's a tough uh, hangover game. And then in, in terms of the SEC, we talked about the SEC struggling in the non conference so far. I mean, just to kind of summarize it all, Florida, South Carolina, LSU, Alabama, and Texas A and M have all lost. You know, prime time big matchups. Uh, this is the first time since 2002 that Alabama, Florida, and LSU all have a loss by the end of week two. Uh, a couple games from last week that I want to highlight. Uh, the main one being Texas A&M losing to Miami 48 to 33. That was another uh, of, you know, of a more marquee matchup last weekend. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, Miami's quarterback, threw for 374 yards and five touchdowns in his second game under the new offensive coordinator, Shannon Dawson. Uh, Miami showed off his speed with Brashard Smith, 98-yard kickoff return. That was a huge uh, play in that game, obviously. Jacoby George had a 64-yard touchdown catch. And it just felt like and this game was closer th- than it seemed. You know, it was a one-score game with like two minutes left. But a- uh, Miami was just throwing the ball all over A&M. Uh, J- Javon Thomas, true freshman quarterback for Texas A&M, had a, had a really rough game. And again, Miami won the line of scrimmage. You know, Hard Rock Stadium was like 75% full. So you and they were loud, sure, but you can't say it was a really tough place to play. And we didn't have, neither of us had super high expectations for A&M, although I didn't mark them as a sleeper playoff contender. I didn't think they were actually going to do it uh, per se, just kind of threw them out there. But it's another high, more highly thought of SEC team losing to a, you know, a solid ACC team, but, but by any means, you know, not a playoff contender, I'd say. Um, but I'll leave that there for you. Like, is is Miami back? Do you see them contending in the ACC this year? And then how do you feel like Texas A&M kind of bounces back from this this tough loss in Miami? I won't go as far as to say that the U is back quite yet, like Texas is, I think, after this win. I mean, a great win, definitely, to knock off an SEC team, a, a big, uh, you know, big, big primetime team in, in Texas A&M. I won't say they're back, but they look good. Tyler Van Dyke can take this team to the limits. Um, in terms of the ACC, I mean, they can contend for like the second best ACC team. I think it's it's head over heels for uh, for Florida State, but that second spot's open. You know, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina, who can try and go get that? So I think Miami's in the running for maybe being the second team, getting a chance at the conference championship. Um, I do see them slipping up at some point. I think they just mess up. They lose on the road, something like that. Um, and Texas A&M, you know, we said at the beginning of the year, I mean, Jimbo's got these sky-high expectations. You can't be losing at Miami. Defense fell apart. so. I mean, obviously the buyout's pretty crazy big, but yeah, another couple losses like this, like you can't. I mean, it's only going to get harder for them in the SEC. I feel like playing teams like LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss, it's it's not going to be easy to stack up those wins for them. Yeah, Jimbo was my coach on that had the hottest seat. I know the buyout's huge, but I just don't think A and M fans and and AM, A&M boosters want to put up with this for that much longer. You know, you expect if you're a Texas A and M team to go into a half three-fourths full Miami Stadium and, and get a win there. Um, so disappointing. Connor Wegman played okay. He had one pick where his his receiver slipped and it went it fell right into the DB's hand. So not his fault there. I thought he played well. Um, but their defense just got torched. And that usually isn't the story with SEC football. We, we're not used to seeing this. Um, so that's kind of an early sub, subplot in this year's season is, is we're, we're seeing a lot of things that we're not used to seeing, you know, Texas going into a top five team and getting a win, Colorado being, you know, the, the, the center 
of the college football world uh, and the SEC struggling in non-conference play. We're used to, you know, seeing these games where LSU plays Florida State in the first week and wins by 30 points. And, or Bama has a non-con game against a Power 5 opponent and wins by 50. Uh, the, the mid-tier SEC teams play mid-tier ACC teams and, and they win handedly. So very different this year. I like to see it. I like parity. I think college football has, has been in need of parity, so that's good for, for the sport. In terms of Miami, I don't think they're going to win the ACC. I still think Florida State are, are the clear favorites. And, and Miami has to go to play at Florida State on uh, November 11th. Uh, before that, they play at North Carolina in in, uh, in, um, in October. They also have Clemson the week after that. So tough schedule. But if if somehow, some way, Florida State and, and Miami are both undefeated come November 11th, oh my, that that would be... That would be some must-see TV, that that rivalry being rekindled. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty sweet. Um, so we'll see. We'll have to see more from Miami. They'll have to keep running the table and stacking the wins. And, and back to the SEC, this year they're just not the same. They don't have that, you know, David versus Goliath feel that it used to have of like, oh, SEC, mm-hmm. doesn't matter which team it is, you know, maybe outside of like Vanderbilt. But um, <laughs> it's like you're going to lose probably if you're not, you know, the top dog in another conference. And so – they, it's just not the same. Maybe it's recruiting that's leveled out. Um, all these schools getting the talent, Florida State, Miami. I mean, they're getting the recruits, and it, it just seems to be a level, more level playing field, and they've caught up to the SEC. Um, well, you know, don't want to say they surpassed them by any means. Um, it's just a couple of games, but it's not the same. And those non-conference games are going to come back to bite them, as I keep saying, that SEC schedule. Um, I still think these teams are really good, but they might just keep shooting each other in the foot, and one beats one, one beats the other, mm-hmm. and it, it just pinballs. Yeah, you look at two things, obviously, the transfer portal and NIO. You know, Florida State, for example, beat LSU week one. They brought in, you know, the best transfer class in the country. Uh, a lot of blue chip transfers, right? So, you know, if schools like Florida State, Colorado, uh, even the Michigan does really well in the transfer portal, Ohio State, like if all these other schools become more attractive because of, uh, you know, the transfer portal and or NIL, then yeah, maybe the SEC is going to lose a lot of talent uh, to those teams. So, I mean, it's still only two weeks. Like, I think we're still going to need like a, a couple of years sample size just before we can say that the SEC isn't the dominant conference in college football because it, there's still a very good chance that Georgia can waltz to another national title. So, give me a couple of years of that not happening, and then I'll I'll be willing to say that the SEC uh, isn't the premier conference in all of college football. Uh, but I mean. The breadcrumbs are there, right? There's there's two weeks of sample size now, or uh, of the SEC struggling, and I'll be very curious to see if that kind of continues throughout the year. And it'll be very interesting to see if if the committee kind of holds other conferences like the Pac-12 or the Big Ten in higher regard than the SEC when uh, you know selecting the college football college football playoff this year. And I think just based on these past two weeks, they absolutely should because there's not much ground for the SEC to make up in non-conference play moving forward. So I mean. I think the other conferences have kind of proven themselves so far. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's looking like there won't be two SEC teams. So it'd be really cool to get, you know, maybe the Pac-12 sneaks in finally. Yeah. A couple other SEC notes, just real quick. Ole Miss beats Tulane 37-20. Tulane was out star quarterback Michael Pratt. So that game was honestly closer than it should have been for for most of it. Did he start and get hurt or did he not play at all? He didn't play at all. He was, uh, it was like a couple hours before kickoff. I believe he was, it was determined that he's not going to play. I honestly, I mean, that game was so close that if he was playing, I mean, they, they might've pulled that one off there. Yeah. 
So, and yeah, exactly. That game was closer than the final score indicates. Uh, so, and, and Tulane, I think, might be the best group of five team this year mm-hmm. um, down there in New Orleans. Tennessee only led by seven at half against Austin P. I know it's only halftime, but they they struggled with an FCS team for a bit there. They have a, a, a big game for them, you know, big rivalry at Florida uh, this Saturday night. So just a small note there um, and, and kind of closing out the SEC. They, they've struggled so far early this season. You mentioned the other conference, Pac-12. Now, I don't think, I mean, quite literally a conference has not gotten off to a better start in the FBS era. Uh, the Pac-12 got off to an 18-0 start before Arizona lost in overtime at Mississippi State uh, this past Saturday. That is the best start of any conference since the 1978 FBS-FCS split. Uh, Cal also ended up losing to Auburn late night, Pac-12 after dark. Um, but And also, like Cal missed like four field goals in that game, so they really should have won. Uh, but nonetheless, Pac-12 off to a scorching start. Uh, a lot of really good games from last weekend in the Pac-12. Joe, which one do you want to start with first? Which one kind of caught your eye the most? I mean, Colorado. Colorado, they're getting game day this week. They're playing Colorado State, which they should dominate. Um, but they're 2-0. They're 2-0. And I mean, it's not like Nebraska's, you know, the best team in the world right now. But Deion's 2-0. Uh, got Colorado State this weekend in a big matchup against uh, – Bodacious Bo Nix and the Ducks in week four. Yeah, you, I mean, you obviously living in Denver are kind of in, in the, the center of the college football world right now. Uh, yeah, they, they had a big win over Nebraska, a rival 36 14 over the weekend. Uh, it was close at halftime. Nebraska notched eight sacks. One was in garbage time. Um, but still, you know, that offensive line was questionable. I thought Colorado did a really good job coming out in the second half, making adjustments and blowing out Nebraska. In the second half, Shadur Sanders went 31 for 42, uh, 393 yards and two touchdowns with no picks. He looked great, looking like an NFL quarterback. Um, I'm really excited to see him play Oregon and USC here in the next few weeks. Uh, Both college game day and big noon kickoff announced within an hour of the game ending that they'll be in Boulder next Saturday for, again, their game against Colorado State. So it's the center of the college football world. Um, They should win that game, should be 3-0, and then they're going to go to Eugene in week four. And then after that, USC at home in Boulder on September 30th. Uh, that's a, you know, NFL quarterback matchup of Caleb Williams and Shadur Sanders. Um, so yeah, Colorado looks great. It's only two weeks. Uh, I think we need, to, we can revisit them after their game against Oregon, after their game against USC. And that those will be a real kind of measuring stick of, of where they are. I still think it's, it's important to note that what Dion's doing in year one is super impressive. Just starting out two and oh, no one, I mean, there were what, 20, 21 point underdogs in that game against TCU. So no one saw this coming. Um, and it's impressive from a Nebraska perspective. I mean, they, their defense looked really good in the first half, uh, but Jeff Sims, their quarterback transfer from, from Georgia tech <laughs> looked just abysmal. Uh, he has six turnovers in his first two Nebraska games, fumbled a couple snaps that, you know, were right at him um, this past Saturday. Uh, one was with a guy in motion, so that might have distracted him. But but still, I mean, you can't fumble two snaps. Um, and, and two of those turnovers led to Colorado's first 10 points last weekend when you know, their offense couldn't get anything going against Nebraska's defense. So that kind of you know bodes the question for you is like, where does this Nebraska program stand? I know it's year one under Matt Rule, but should Cornhusker fans like temper their expectations? Like, is this program ever going to get back to where it was? I mean, things can change in a year with with recruiting, transfer portal, 
NIL. And I mean, that, that state just loves this football program. So I think they'll do whatever they can to get it back to that peak. But certainly it's going to be, a, I think, a long-term play with Matt Rule. I still think he can turn the program around. But 0-2, I mean, I don't know. Be careful with Northern Illinois coming into town. Like, they're, they're not playing so hot. Jeff Sims better step it up. Or they might go to, I think it's Brock Purdy's little brother is the number two there. Um, so they, I think they got to be careful. I mean, he was just sloppy. The offense isn't there. I mean, the final score, like, Boulder made some great second half adjustments, but Nebraska was kind of in the game, like flirting with it. Like the defense played well, so yeah. um, they can still come around and be competitive, but tough 0-2 start for those guys. I'll also say for Colorado, I mean, this is the Super Bowl for Colorado State. They're probably not going to have yeah. a, a good season this year. They're like 23.5-point underdogs. I mean, what more would you ask for than knocking off Boulder when they finally got good again? So. I think they should be careful for a letdown game this week. I'm not calling it, but I mean, just just keep an eye on those guys. <laughs> that would be a bold pick. Twenty three and a half point dogs taking them out, right? <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, that you're right. That is like you know David versus Goliath Super Bowl matchup, kind of like how Michigan State approaches the Michigan game every single year. You know, no matter where the teams are, the game's always going to be good and, and, and mm-hmm. contested really well. For, and, and then Nebraska, they got Northern Illinois and then Louisiana Tech. Two reset games, I think, where they can figure out the quarterback situation, figure out you know their scheme on offense, whatever they want to do. And then they got Michigan coming to town uh, at the end of the month on, on the 30th. That game time has not been announced. I'm hoping that it's not a night game because two years ago, that was a really tough game for Michigan at Nebraska. We're, was a, we were able to sneak it out. Um, but I don't want that one to be a night game. I don't want Nebraska to figure things out over the next two weeks because uh, that 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 might, even though they're 0-2, the, the defense has showed signs, and I think they're going to figure it out at quarterback. I don't think Jeff Sims is going to be the guy moving forward. Now, if Jeff, you can make the argument that you know if Jeff Sims won the job in camp, what does that mean of the other two guys behind him? Um, yeah. So uh, then we'll see. I I don't think Nebraska's season is over by any means. You know, playing in that Big Ten West, they they can still. Uh, you know, make a bowl game um, for sure. Cause you know, outside of, I mean, Iowa and maybe Wisconsin, that conference hasn't, or that side of the conference hasn't showed us much yet this season. Another really exciting PAC 12 game this past weekend, Oregon beats Texas tech. It was your lock of the week and it's somehow cashed. Uh, what were your major takeaways from this game? Uh, and I mean, how does it feel to be on the right side of, of a betting lock of the week? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a bad beat, just just uh, not for me. It was a good beat for me, 38 to 30. I mean, Texas Tech, we talked about him a little bit last week, that tough loss to Wyoming, double OT, uh, you know, weird rain, rain delay and stuff. But, I mean, they came to play. They they had this game right there. I know Tyler Show wanted it, uh, being an old Oregon quarterback. So Oregon pulled it out. They kicked a field goal with like a minute left to go up by one. They had a pick six where if he just fell down, they they kneel the clock out. The yeah. lock of the league doesn't hit, but he runs it in. Texas Tech had a Hail Mary chance, too, at the end of the game. But uh, they win by eight. The lock hits. Uh, they cover the spread. So um, it was a close game. I mean, Texas Tech was right there. Had a couple chances to put this game away and win this one. Uh, Bo Nix, 32 of 44, 359, two scores. Um, and they were down 27-18. So veteran quarterback. Um, I, think, I thought he stayed calm, cool, uh, collected, and, and led him back to the victory. Um, and a good win for them on the road down there in Lubbock. Um, gets them ready for, you know, looking ahead two weeks from now against Boulder. It's going to be a really fun game. So I like this Oregon team a lot. I said it a couple of weeks ago, and you know, they've had two good wins so far. Um, I'm big fans of them. Yeah, I feel, I mean, I feel really good about what Bo Nix did in that game. And if you're an Oregon fan, you know, you're kind of relying on him to be the guy to carry you to the promised land in the Pac-12 this year. 
you know, he not only does he have a really good arm through through for 359 yards, but I mean, he he won that game with his legs. Converted a huge third down and eleven, uh, another third down and eight that he committed uh, converted. I mean, that third and eleven, they were down. I think it was eight at that time, um, and and they ran an RPO for Bo Nick. So that kind of just shows you how much they trust him. Third and eleven, running an RPO, he got the first down with his legs. Uh, questionable call from Texas Tech going for it on fourth and two on their own thirty-three up two with thirteen minutes left. Could have just punted that one away, they, and they ran a QB sneak on that play. Um, but it also Texas Tech had an interception on the goal line in the fourth quarter that looked like the foot was in, but they didn't call it. Uh, Oregon got a field goal to take the lead by one. Texas Tech then got a field goal. Oregon then got a field goal, and then Oregon got that pick six. Not only was it a pick six, it was a pick six to the lineman. He was Tyler Shuck was dropping back uh, and and was getting pressured, and then just threw it directly to the lineman, and he ran it all the way back. And yeah, he should have gone down because it was only an eight point win for Oregon. Uh, they. Texas Tech theoretically could have scored a touchdown and then gone for two and tied the game. Uh, it didn't happen, but nice backdoor cover nonetheless. Uh, nine Oregon receivers had receptions, six with at least one 20-plus yard gain. So throwing the ball all over the all over the park. Uh, really tough, tough win for them in a tough environment. Um, that's a tough non-con game to have to play. So got to respect Oregon. They're going to be in the thing in the Pac-12. I don't think Texas Tech season's over, despite being 0-2. thought they looked good in, in both games. They should have won the Wyoming game, uh, and they you know, battled and, and arguably could have won against an, a really good Oregon team. So I think they can still play spoiler. They, they can the cause ball. chaos later this season, and I'm talking Texas Tech, Texas. Yeah. That's, that, that could be trouble. My one thing with Texas is if they're undefeated at that point, I think they have a mulligan. Like, regardless, I think they have a mulligan in their pocket because winning at Alabama is going to be, and we'll see mm-hmm. what Alabama does this year, but theoretically that should be one of the best wins that any team gets this year. So they can mm-hmm. probably afford a loss to, and still make the playoff because I think we both agree the Pac-12 is, is going to be a tough conference this year. But yeah, I, I circled that game when I was looking at Texas's remaining schedule, like having to go to Lubbock, um, that's a tough one. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, I mean, the Duckies, Puddles the Duck, man. He's ready for Boulder in a couple of weeks up in Eugene. That is, uh, oh, sorry, that Texas Tech game's in Austin, by the way. I missed ah, there. Um, but yeah, Eugene, Oregon um, against Colorado. Won't be game day probably that week. That week's loaded with games, but um, that that's going to be one I'm I'm going to watch for sure. That oof, man, I I can't. I already can't wait for Week Four, especially with this Week Three slate. Um, but yeah, big win for Oregon. Uh, another Pac-12 matchup. I mean, you're obviously uh, we're probably tapped, tuned into this one. Washington State beat. Wisconsin 31-22. Washington State went up big. Wisconsin made a run in the second half, but um, Wazoo ended up pulling it out in the end, won by nine points. Uh, Coach Jake Dickert, Washington State coach, after the game said in his post-game interview, we belong in the Power Five. These kids have worked their asses off. So a bit of a ploy or a plea to to stay in the the Power Five. Joe, uh, Main takeaways from this game: How you feeling? Can Wazoo, you know, be play spoiler in the Pac-12? Is Wisconsin season in shambles at this point? Um, heading into Big Twelve, Big Ten play. I was on Wazoo before the game. I said Cam Ward was my guy to watch this week. Uh, he played solid, got the job done. They came out early, kind of faltered a little bit in the second half, but but hung tough and and knocked off Scani. Um, I think Scani just had a lot of hype, you know, especially with yeah. you know, the Big Ten West for them. It looked wide open. They're clear cut favorites, so. 
Dickel got these expectations put on him. And it's it's a lot of transfers, especially Mordecai, new system for an offense. Mm-hmm. And um, just didn't have the dairy raid rolling this week and and the tough loss. Couple calls went against them. You're know, with the safety and and a fumble, but I mean Wazoo, it's a it's a sneaky tough place to play in Pullman. So a good win. And you got to feel for you know Coach Dickert, those guys. They're two and zero. You're also looking at Oregon State, who's two and zero. They're kind of the, the chopped liver right now in the FBS Power Five conferences, but they're looking like a couple of the best teams. I mean, they're both got kids to be top twenty five, and they can either make a run or be spoilers, especially you know, against their their big in-state rivals of Washington and um, Oregon. So I don't know what's going to happen with them, you know, in terms of where they go, but they're putting it, putting together a case, I think, this year to, to try to stick around somewhere big. Yeah, that fumble in the fourth was huge for Wisconsin. They were driving uh, down, I think, like six at that point. It was, you know, one-score game, and they were driving. It's a tough fumble. And, yeah, I think the college football world needs a Washington State-Oregon State Pac-12 championship game. I think that would that would be the perfect ending to to the Pac-12 as we know it. That'd be that'd be crazy. Imagine betting that before the season. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then another – the last Pac-12 note we'll have, Utah beat Baylor. Uh, Utah specifically beat Baylor with their backup quarterback. They were losing most of the game in Waco uh, before Nate Johnson came into the game and led an 88-yard touchdown drive to tie it at 13. Then Baylor throws a pick, and Utah went up 20-13 to 13, uh, and, and won it by that score. My lock of the week misses by a half point. Uh, I had him at 7.5, although I didn't deserve that cover. Uh, Utah, they were losing that whole game. Um, but nonetheless, really tough two first games for Utah, I'd say. You know, two Power 5 matchups in, in the non-conference uh, playing Florida at home and then going to Baylor, uh, and and they they're they're two and zero with their backup quarterback, so they should get Cam Rising back into the fold. I think they play Weber State this week, so an easy one before I think they they start conference play in week four, um, and, and they'll they'll be taking on yeah UCLA in, in week four. Um, so hopefully they get Cam Rising back from that. But I mean, you got to feel like Utah where in previous years they kind of lost early in the year that now they're firmly in, in the playoff hunt starting two and zero against and getting two wins against power five squads. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it wasn't pretty. I mean, Nate Johnson, you're running almost that last drive. I mean, it looked like why wasn't he in the game before that? Um, but a couple backup quarterbacks gotten out a couple wins for him in, in weeks one and, and two, you'd hopefully get Cam rising back just for a quarter, maybe the first half against Weber state, let, let him get the rest off. Get ready to roll. Cause that UCLA game, that's going to be, that's going to be another fun one. Uh, coming up in week four is gonna be some sneaky games, but I mean, two wins against two solid programs for them. They're two and zero, great non-conference ones. Um, Cam Rising comes back from this injury and he's he's fully healthy and he's ready to go. This Pac-12 man, it, it's looking deeper and deeper every week. It's gonna be some scary games. I mean, oh, it's it's a loaded conference, and they they might ultimately play themselves out of the playoff by just beating up on each other. It would be true Pac-12 fashion to do so. But they're going to give us they're going to give us some really entertaining games before before that happens. I mean, week four I already talked about it, but um, it is going to be electric. Let me just pull up the the Pac twelve week four schedule. So we got USC going to Arizona State. That's okay. UCLA playing Utah, Oregon State, Washington State, the Battle of the Misfits, Arizona Stanford, Colorado Oregon, and, and then Cal Washington. Decent game. And then the next week, obviously, Utah-Oregon State, um, as well as that that massive USC-Colorado game. So these teams are all going to play each other, and, and it's going to be a lot of fun uh, down the stretch. One note on the Pac-12 
before we move on. They are six and three against power five foes uh, this season so far. So conference of champions, as Bill Walton would say, they're playing like champions. Yeah. I mean, they're putting together a great couple of weeks. It's going to be fun to watch those conference games. I mean, look at a team like Boulder, Oregon, USC, whoever can go two no in weeks four and five, you know, those are going to be the front runners coming out of that. So I think sneakily, look at an Oregon State or a Washington State to come out of that 2-0 and and uh, look to play spoiler and make a real run at it. That would, that would, I think, I said it earlier, but I think the college football world will be rooting those teams on as, as they mm-hmm. kind of were um, kind of ousted from the Pac-12. And they also, like I read they filed a restraining order against the conference uh, as they were like setting up a meeting or something on Wednesday with the Board of Governors, and, and they, they filed a restraining order, and it was approved. Getting ugly. It's getting ugly. <laughs> it's getting real ugly. Yeah, you got to feel for them. I'll be really curious to see how that kind of pans out and where they end up. Uh, just some other quick, quick week two notes. Notre Dame, they win at NC State despite a lengthy rain delay. There's a lot of rain on the East Coast uh, in, in uh, on Saturday. Uh, so nice win for them on the road um, for sure. They have Ohio State in two weeks, not this weekend, but next. So that's another week four matchup that I have circled. That's going to be a huge one. Any, any thoughts on that one? Is that in South Bend? Yes, it is in South Bend. Sam Hartman, man. Sam Hartman, man. He never. I don't think he ever beat NC State when he was at Wake Forest, but a long rain delay, but they did everything they needed to do. Um, you know, kind of handled that game as much as they need to. Beat a solid NC State team. They're firing. I think they're going to be – they're firing all cylinders, in my opinion. And Ohio State is doing the opposite. They're coming back around, but that's going to be a fun game in South Bend. We keep talking about these games coming up in a couple of weeks, but – I mean, Notre Dame, that independent team, they've got a gauntlet of a schedule, but they they run the table. You can't – I don't know if anybody's schedule compares to theirs. Yeah, no. If they run the table, they're locks to, to be in the playoff. Already got that win at NC State, solid Power 5 squad. They got Ohio State at Duke, uh, home versus USC at Clemson on the schedule this year. Yeah, they're 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 in the playoff if, if they go undefeated. That, that one um, in Notre Dame, Ohio State in week four is, is – is must-see TV. I'll be really curious to see the line on that one because I agree with you. I don't think Ohio State has impressed me or, or anyone so far. They just named Kyle McCord the full-time starter uh, today. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I Right now, I, I'm leaning Notre Dame if, if I had to make a pick in that game. They inspire confidence, and I think a big reason is Sam Hartman. I mean, he's a veteran. Uh, he's taking control of this team, You know, leader on the team. He's playing fantastic ball. He'll be at home against Ohio State. Um, I'll be curious on the line too, but uh, they inspire confidence right now. And I can't say the same for Ohio state quite yet. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, outside of that game, we also have Iowa. They win the Cyhawk trophy 20 to 13. They hop into the rankings at number 25, ugly game. I didn't watch, watch much of this one if we're being honest, uh, but they got the win and, and they're ranked. Yeah. I mean, I like Iowa state. So I really want Iowa state in the, the cyclones there, but just didn't get it done. Classic Iowa game. Uh, Iowa state just, just an ugly defensive battle. Um, classic Iowa defense comes up big, gets yep. some points. But under only 20 points for Iowa's offense. Keep an eye on their OC. He was the son of Kirk Ferentz. He's going to average a little bit more points than that. So they need to beat up on some other teams coming up. But we'll see. I mean, their, their offense was solid. Cade McNamara's, you know, he's looking good. But I don't know. I don't know. They're either rely on that defense a lot for sure. Yeah, and if, if – I mean, if they go undefeated theoretically – Right and and don't average twenty five points a game. I mean, they got to keep them. <laughs> they got to keep them, right? 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, there's got to be some like subsection of that contract where it's like, all right, if we win all our games though, and like win on 10, 11 games, and we, you know, whatever the margin is, doesn't matter. So yeah, that'll be interesting. And they have a tough one in week four. They go on the road to Penn State primetime whiteout at 6.30 p.m. on CBS Central Time. That'll be a really good one. I expect Penn State to win that one handedly. But yeah. we'll see. Outside of that, their Big Ten schedule is pretty pretty easy. They go at Wisconsin. It would be the toughest one. Uh, and then like at Nebraska last week of the year. But uh, well, Minnesota. Uh, yeah, they, they got Minnesota at, Minnesota at home this year. Look out. Look out for the Ghosts. The, the Ghosts are 2-0. They got a good one this week. We'll, we'll talk about later. Cade um, McNamara, after the game, said, I'm not used to a defense scoring points. Maybe... Maybe nothing, but maybe throwing shade at Michigan as he kind of has been doing over the past year. He he's been a little shady. There was that report that you know he uh, JJ he ghosted JJ McCarthy, uh, so he just kind of handled the whole situation poorly. I think. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, I mean, Michigan has a great defense, so it's like I, I was. I mean, the offense never scores enough points, and the defense usually helps out. So it's just a weird shot, like. I think he just needs to move on, go all yeah. in on the Iowa football program, uh, do that. They don't play Michigan this year, right? No. I mean, dude, he should be saying, hey, I'm going to focus on my business. Hopefully we see them, you know, in, in uh, at Lucas Oil later yeah. in the year. Yeah. That's I, what he should be saying. He I should want, be saying, I want to see them. I want to see that happen. I'd love to have that game this year. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you can't be that upset when, it, when, you know, JJ's an NFL caliber quarterback. You can't be that surprised when he takes your job. It's, I mean, that quarterback room is just tough competition, man. So, I mean, I mean, look at him though. He's at a big 10 program, got a chance to run the table here. So uh, he's got a good opportunity. And yeah. And you know, if he handled it well and, and was respectful with, with the Michigan fans and, and his teammates and whatnot, like we would have loved the guy. We would have, because he, he beat Ohio state for the first time in, in like a decade. And, and, you know, led us to the college football playoff, won a Big Ten championship. All you have to do is handle it well, and we we love you. But he's just handling it weird with, with the whole JJ thing. And, unfortunately, it's kind of soured his reputation in Ann Arbor and amongst the fan base. Uh, but that's enough, Cade. You know, we'll, we'll talk about him probably, you know, week four. They got a big one, uh, Penn State. Uh, two other games in week two that I want to note. In a big group of five game, UCF escaped in Boise, winning on a last-second field goal, 18-16. to 16. I was on the Broncos tough start to the season for them. Oh, and two, uh, I picked them as t- to be the best group of five team this year. I mean, it's not looking good so far. They're going to have to run the table. Uh, and you know, UCF is technically, I said group of five game. I still think of UCF as a group of five team. They're technically in the big 12 now, uh, power five squad, but any, any takeaways from this one? Any, any thoughts? Tough. Oh, and two start for boys. And you got Washington and UCF and losing a last second field goal. It's like, Still a hell of a program, hell of a team. I think they're going to have a good season, but tough way to start 0-2. Um, look out for UCF to make some noise, I think, in the Big 12. Like you said, people forget, like them, Houston, Cincinnati, they're Big 12 teams now. So I, think I could see those teams making some noise. John Reese Plumley, man, he's he's a lot of fun to watch. I know they only scored 18 yeah. points, but he's, he's, a, he's a true athlete, so he'll be one to watch. I think UCF could play spoiler in, in the Big 12 as well, similar to Texas yeah. Hundred percent, and then that other one we're going to talk about: Kansas knocking off Illinois. Illinois, is, I don't know; they're they're not as good as people think. I think they've got a solid defense, but they stuck. Kansas kind of kind of controlled the game. They're up thirty four seven late in the third, ended up being thirty four twenty three final score, but it, it really wasn't that close. Um, Big Twelve is going to be deep, like I just said: UCF, Houston, Cincinnati. Yep. 
Also got Kansas there. So look out for those guys. They, they, they're building a solid program there. Yeah, new stadium, new facility, or they're going to build a new stadium. I saw that that game was, was pretty packed in the student section. So maybe Kansas football is starting to become more of, uh, more of uh, you know, more embedded in the culture out there in Lawrence. And, you know, nice win for them. My boss actually went to Kansas. He, he loves Kansas football. He's, he's tapped in. Uh, he's really excited about what they're doing up there. So good for, good for Kansas. And just, I mean, yeah, Illinois looked really bad, struggled with Toledo in week one, and then got soundly beaten by Kansas in week two. I mean, defense is kind of getting torched. No Devon Witherspoon, obviously the, you know, top five pick out, out to Seattle uh, in last year's draft. He, he, I mean, he had one of the most impressive performances from a defensive player against Michigan last year that I think I've ever seen in a game. Uh, he almost single-handedly beat us, and he's a nuisance. He he's so good, and uh, he's everywhere around the field, breaking up passes, making big hits, and they're they're going to miss him big time in, in Illinois this week. They got you know it doesn't get any easier for Illinois. They got Penn State at home uh, at noon uh, this weekend, so not looking good for them. Could very likely start out the season zero and three or. Feels like 0-3, but 1-2. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Brett Bielmo's Brett got his hands full, I think, this season. He, he talked a lot of trash last year, especially after that Michigan game in the offseason. But I don't know. We might not be hearing much from him as we move forward. <laughs> <laughs> but that's enough of week two. Let's get into week three. Like I said earlier, it's, it's a bit of a week slate, you know. Game of the week is debatable. Uh, uh, we talked about game day going out to, to Boulder for Colorado, Colorado State. That game starts at 10 Eastern, and I don't really think um, you know it's going to be much of a game. I'm sure it'll do great ratings. You know, Colorado was the second highest rated game behind behind Texas and Bama last weekend, uh, and that wasn't even a good game. Um, so we'll see. But you know, we'll start with the game of the week and kind of kind of go from there. Joe, what's what's your game of the week this week? What what are you tapped into? Yeah, there's there's not a marquee one that you look at and go, that's the number one game of the week. Uh, so you make a case for a lot of games. I decided to go with Tennessee at Florida. Tennessee, top 25 team, Florida not. Florida's own two. They don't look, uh, or one and one, um, don't look quite as good this year. Graham Mertz is eh, it's fine, but Florida's down uh, a little bit here. And Tennessee struggled, struggled at half in the first half against Austin P. So not firing all cylinders. Um, so it could be a sneaky game for Tennessee down there. They're clearly the favorites, but they're only favored by like six and a half, seven points. Yeah. Um, so Vegas thinks something is up down here in the swamp down in Florida. So um, that's my game of the week. SEC game, kicking off SEC conference games. Um, you know, it could be a fun one. Uh, I still think, I think Tennessee's going to win this one, but uh could be fun. I was just looking for a game that's going to be close. A little bit of a rivalry here. Florida can kind of play spoiler and get their season back on track. Not knock off Tennessee, who looks like they're back and, and has a big season coming, um, or vice versa. Tennessee really puts Florida down and, and starts uh, getting ready for for more bigger games as well. Yeah, I think uh, this is this is an interesting one for sure. I, I can see Florida maybe hanging around for, for the first half of this one. I mean, if Florida loses this game and, and has another bad SEC season, I mean, you, you got to think Billy Napier is, is gone down there in Gainesville. That's just one of those programs that doesn't doesn't stand for losing and needs to be a national prominence um don't so, get much time don't get much time down at the swamp don't get much time and and you know what better way to to kick start uh the comeback of this year uh, in being a you know top 10 tennessee team uh tennessee struggled against austin p last week it's at the swamp i'm on florida plus seven already locked that one in uh i, I can see that dwindling closer to six you know you mentioned you can get it at six and a half i think that's on DraftKings right now so 
we'll see. Uh, you know, Florida looked good against McNeese State last weekend. So, yeah, I think that's 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 a solid pick for game of the week. If you, if you're leaning either way, betting wise, where where would you go? I'm going. I mean, not to get too early in it. My lock of the week is actually going to be Tennessee covering the spread. So six and a half. I think. You know, it's close, but I think, yeah, is it a rat line? Is something going on down there? But I don't know. I think they kind of pound into Florida and, and uh, put them down in the dumps at the swamp. Would you take it at seven is my question. It makes me a little nervous. I would, but I'd say, folks, jump on it if you can. Get them at six and a half. Let's get that touchdown. Let's get out of there. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see it happening. It is a primetime game. So uh, if, if there's a player to watch this week, it's, it's Joe Milton. Uh, or, or in that game, uh, definitely Joe Mullen. I think we both have him as a player to watch. Uh, first big test for him this season. My game of the week comes with some controversy, and I think this would have been the game day game uh, had had this controversy not happened. It, it is Washington at Michigan State, 4 p.m. Central Time on Peacock. Um, you know, obviously we have to talk about Coach Mel Tucker at Michigan State being suspended without pay amid sexual harassment investigations. Uh, we don't need to go into the details. It's it's pretty gross. If, if you wanna if you wanna read about it, go check out ESPN. You go check out the Athletic or wherever you consume your media, uh, and, and you know they they they'll paint the story for you. Um, but you know Tucker is, is set for a hearing to determine whether or not he violated school policy on October fifth and sixth, or both days. I'm not or one or either of those days. I'm not really sure. It just says October fifth through sixth, so I'm not sure. That's when the football team has a bye week. Um, just from a you know c- contractual uh, perspective, Tucker has about eighty million dollars remaining on his deal that runs through twenty thirty one. Obviously, you know that could be terminated if he's fired for specific causes. And just an interesting tidbit that I read in in, in an article from the Athletic: the the school is paying seventy one million dollars of that deal, while Suns owner Matt Ishbia is paying the other twenty four million dollars. So not only is Ishbia paying for Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal, he's also paying paying for Mel Tucker to be the head coach at Michigan State. Um, and then in, in Tucker's absence, defensive back coach Harlan Bennett will lead Michigan state, uh, with former coach Mark D'Antonio serving as the, as the associate coach, Mark D'Antonio, I mean, did a great job against Michigan. So that kind of, uh, makes me a little nervous for that game later in the season, but tough situation at Michigan state. Obviously that's a school that's been surrounded with a lot of controversy over the past, you know, decade. Uh, and you just, you know, hate to see it. You feel for the victim. Um, and We'll get back to to that once we hear more news from a football perspective. You know, both teams are two and zero. Washington has been lighting it up offensively. Obviously, Michael Penix Jr. and, and you know their their loaded offense against a Michigan State team that's you know hasn't played anybody great. Right? They beat Central Michigan in Week One. They beat Richmond in Week Two. Big big test for them. The line is sixteen and a half, I believe, right now on DraftKings. Uh, I'd take it for Washington. I think they're going to win this game pretty easily with all the controversy at Michigan State. Um, but this was, this could, could be a fun one. Uh, who knows that was, that's my game of the week. I think it's, it'll be a fun one. Yeah. Obviously a lot of controversy surrounding that one. Um, so, you know, have to let the process play out. We'll see what happens with Mel Tucker. Interesting down to Matt Ishby. I didn't realize he was paying a lot of that deal. Um, but I mean, in terms of the football game, Washington looks good. Um, they're at Michigan state. So it could be a tough place to play in East Lansing. Um, maybe Michigan state makes a run, uh, gets competitive the rest of the way in the big 10, but, uh, Washington's firing. So I like watching that game still for the Huskies pick up a nice road win. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting uh, Pac-12 game this weekend. So um, in, in, a, in a slate that is is kind of barren, that, that's a decent one. Now you do have to have Peacock to watch it. Uh, so 
if you're out out and about, it's very unlikely that the bar is going to have that one. So might have to stay home if if you want to watch that one. Um, upset of the week, Joe. Your, I mean, your upset of the week didn't technically hit last week. You had Troy beating Kansas State, but you also picked Texas over Bama, which was a big upset as well. So feel like you're riding a hot streak on the upset of the week. Where where are you going to this week? Yeah, yeah, Troy. Uh, Troy kind of got blown out of the water, so went bold on that, and and rightfully so got burned, but. Uh, going a little bit more conservative this week on the upside of the week. Um, I'm going the Gophers. Minnesota over North Carolina. Not like a crazy like betting line upset, but I think North Carolina top 25 team. Drake May like hasn't played to being a Heisman contender, but a lot of hype surrounding him. Mac Brown and, and that team down there. Um, and Minnesota just sneakily, they're 2-0. Had a nice win against Nebraska in week one. Beat Eastern Michigan handily last week. Didn't blow them out of the water, but you know, beat them by 20, 30 points. Um, and they're just looking solid. The defense looks good. Uh, it's going to be a lot of ground attack. Um, I think, you know, like we said last week, this game in particular is going to be one in the trenches. And whoever can stop the other team's rushing attack is the key to victory, in my opinion. Um, last week, uh, Hampton for North Carolina had 200-plus rushing yards. Uh, double OT for UNC. Barely got past Appalachian State. So they're not looking perfect on offense or defense. And then the Gophers had a freshman running back go for a buck 98 last week. Uh, Darius Taylor looks fantastic. So whoever can control the line of scrimmage, um, I think for the Govers, if they're going to done, it's going to be controlling that line of scrimmage, bleeding the clock, um, getting points when they can, converting in the red zone, and you know keeping that ball out of Drake May's hands and forcing them uh, to make big plays and, and hopefully shut them down. But um, yeah, my upset of the week is going to be Minnesota over, Minnesota over North Carolina. And then just because I have to, I love a big underdog, Sprinkle. FAU over Clemson, they're plus 1,200, plus 1,200 Casey Thompson, the old Nebraska quarterbacks down there. Um, and I, think, I, think, I think I'm going to just ride Clemson being down this year. So uh, that's my sprinkle of the week. And then Gophers over UNC is my upset of the week. Yeah, love love that pick. That's a that's an interesting game down there in, in Chapel Hill. And, I mean, Clemson struggled against Charleston Southern over the weekend for, for a little bit there. I know it's, you know, it was like the first half and then they end up blowing them out, but it's worth a sprinkle. Why not bet on Clemson's downfall? Um, yeah, I look, I look to Minnesota, uh, to win that game as well. I, um, I, it's, it's, it's my under the radar game of the week. Um, North Carolina's favored by seven. You got Minnesota plus 235 on the money line. UNC didn't look great against Appalachian State last weekend. Uh, and, and Minnesota, Hard-fought win against Nebraska, a team with a good defense. We saw, obviously, you know, Minnesota's offense isn't the caliber of Colorado, so they didn't blow them out the way Colorado did in the second half. And then a nice win over Eastern Michigan as well. I think they had a blocked punt touchdown. Um, so two 2-0 two teams, two Power 5 teams. I like that game as well. My upset of the week, I'm going with the Indiana Hoosiers, plus 310 over Louisville in Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, I mean, this is this is basically a a pick in the sense that Tom Allen is coaching for his job. He needs this game. I know this is a non-con game, but he's two and sixteen in the Big Ten in the last two seasons. After that surprising twenty twenty season, uh, they had the league's worst defense last year. Um, now I thought they looked good in Week One against Ohio State defensively. Uh, Kyle McCord struggled to move the ball against them. I know that's his first week as a starter, but you know you still gotta respect what they did in that game. Um, and you know, they brought in a new DC this year, Matt Gieri from Duke. And they kind of, I think they're, I think they're 
I think they're kind of feisty. I think they're 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 going to be playing for Coach Tom Allen in this game. He needs it. Louisville struggled against Georgia Tech, a really bad Georgia Tech team in Week One. Um, they added the most transfers, twenty five in the ACC. Had a, had to replace a huge chunk of their D line, which accounted for fifty total sacks last year. Uh, that led the ACC. So all you know, they had to replace thirty two sacks. So. Uh, new D line there, and I don't know. I think Indiana is kind of playing for their coach in this game. I think they get it done in Lucas Oil. Not, not necessarily a game that you know the neutral is going to tune into, um, but I think I think um, Indiana could pull this one off. Yeah, a couple of programs that need to win this week. Um, I like that pick too. I mean, it's really a home game for him at Lucas Oil for Indiana. So, like you said, Tom Allen. I said beginning of the year we said hot seat for him. So really needs really needs a win there. Um, I like that pick plus three ten. That's a that's a sneaky one. I like that. Yep, uh, cheeky under the radar game of the week to to tune into. I already gave mine. So where are you going? I'm going BYU and the Cougars. Again, reminder: they're actually Big Twelve now. Yep. So a Big Twelve team headed to the SEC. Is the SEC in those middle teams down this year? It's Arkansas favored by eight at home. They're looking solid. But not dominant. They beat Kent State, but eh, just by a couple touchdowns. Can BYU and Keaton Slovis, the old USC quarterback and Pitt last year, five touchdowns last week versus Southern Utah? They're, they're getting rolling. We're going up against KJ Jefferson and, and Raheem Rocket Sanders um, on the ground for Arkansas. So um, a sneaky game, Arkansas at home. Uh, they're favored by eight, but BYU, a Big 12 team now. Can they pull off an upset? Can they keep that rolling of the SEC middle teams? slipping up against other conferences. That was my second under the radar game to watch. Uh both teams 2 and 0. BYU now a Power 5 squad, Arkansas in that SEC which we're going to continue to learn more about uh here in this game uh in terms of the non-conference, you know, and the strength of that conference. So, I think this is a good one. Keenan Slovis, I saw him play at USC way back, feels like now. He's on his what, third school. Um mm-hmm. And wasn't it him that said like BYU is always the toughest place to play? Something about the crowd and the the atmosphere, uh, just in the town in Provo. That that fan base is just different. Yeah. So <laughs> I know this game's in Arkansas, but BYU is always a team that you just don't want to play. You know, they're they're yeah. hard nosed, smash mouth football, uh, and they usually have some good skill guys as well. So um, yeah, this will be one to watch. I think Arkansas needs this game um, after a down year last year. If they can start out the year three and zero. Heading into SEC play, you got to feel good about them. Um, and yeah, that's that's another good one. I'm, I'm definitely tuning into that. Uh, what do you know? What time that game is? Is it? Um, it's a good question. It's okay if you don't. Um, we can get into the betting lock of the week, which I'll start as you look that as you look up that game time. I'm going with Florida State minus 14 in the first half against Boston College. Florida State thrashed. Southern Miss last weekend after their huge win in um, against LSU in week one. I just don't think there's any way Boston College stays in this game. I think Florida State wants to run up the score early. Uh, Boston College barely beat FCS team Holy Cross last weekend. They looked horrible in the process uh, of winning that game by like a touchdown. Um, so I think Florida State just destroys Boston College. I think the game line is like 25 and a half. It actually started out 28 and it's moved in Boston College's favor. Clems- uh, Florida State does have Clemson in week four. So this 
it could be considered a trap game, but I just don't think highly at all of Boston College. I don't think they're good enough to make this a trap game for Florida State. So I think Florida State thrashes them, especially in the first half because they want to get their starters out of the game so they can rest them for that big game in Death Valley against Clemson um, here in a couple weeks. So I'm riding with Florida State minus 14 in the first half against Boston College as my lock of the week as I look to get on the board uh, with my locks. Yeah, I'm surprised that line's almost not higher. I mean, Florida State's the cream of the crop, the ACC, and BC has not looked hot. So I like that pick. Um, just go back to the Arkansas game. It's actually a night game. So 630 Central, ESPN 2. So sneaky game down there in Fayetteville. Uh, my lock of the week, so far I think I'm 2-0 on locks of the week. Yep. I already said it earlier, give a little preview. But I'm taking Tennessee minus 6.5 at Florida in the swamp. I just think Joe Milton's going to light him up down there. Florida's a little overrated, you know, Graham Mertz and I don't know, Billy Napier, that seat's get a little bit warmer by the week, but I like Tennessee to get firing this week in an SEC play. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, another one that I like is, and I can't bet on this because I'm in the state of Illinois, I can't bet on Illinois sports teams, college teams. Uh, I love Penn State minus 14 or minus 14 and a half on the road against Illinois. You can even get that, uh, take that in the first half, Penn State minus seven and a half in the first uh, I just think they, I think they thrash Illinois in, in this game. Uh, Illinois, you know, looked really bad against Kansas. Looked bad against Toledo in Week One. Again, like I said, no Devon Witherspoon, uh, and I, I think Penn State runs the football all over Illinois in this game. Take Singleton uh, and Catron Allen's uh, over rushing props because I think they both run for a hundred plus in this one. I think that's very possible. Drew Aller as well. Uh, you know, another power five game for him. He looked great in week one against West Virginia and, and again in Delaware in week two. Uh, I think he he's a, a, the arguably the biggest X factor in all of the Big Ten this year just because of what, if he's elite, where that Penn State team can go with those two running backs and a great offensive line. Uh, so look for Penn State to thrash Illinois this weekend and kind of put themselves on the map of this team could win the Big Ten this year. I like that too. Yeah, I think they got to get fired. They're going to have to be ready to roll for some of these bigger games. So, like that game. Yep. And then before we get out, we already kind of talked about some of these guys, but uh, players to watch this weekend. Yeah, I've already mentioned most of them. Uh, my first one's Joe Melton, Tennessee quarterback. I think he has a big week. Uh, got Keaton Slovis, BYU. If they're going to have any chance for knocking off Arkansas in Fayetteville, he's got to have a big game. And then same thing. Casey Thompson, I just said, sprinkle yeah. FAU money line against Clemson, uh, the old Nebraska and Texas quarterback. He's battle-tested. He's played a big game. So we're looking to knock off the Tigers there. And then a combo, uh, the two Washington wideouts playing at Michigan State, um, Romeo Dunes and Jalen McMillan um, with Michael Penix throwing to him. But those two are just dynamic on the outside. So look for them to have a big game and, and take control on East Lansing. Yeah, if, if those guys, you know, if if – if that game goes the way I think it will, those guys are going to both go for 100 plus plus yards receiving and and probably a, t- a few touchdowns sprinkled between the two of them as well. Yep. Who you got? My my guys. So my first one, and I know they're not playing anybody good this weekend, but I'm going with JJ McCarthy, obviously the Michigan quarterback. Your Heisman pick for this year. We didn't even talk about. It. I was at the UNLV game last Saturday, um, and man, he looks he looks the part. He looks like an NFL quarterback. Uh, the game was was okay. You know, we won 35-7. A uh, bit sluggish at points. I, I wish we could get Donovan Edwards, you know, going more in, in the run game um, and, and more incorporated into the game plan. Uh, but offensive line, defensive line looked great. And, you know, we didn't have Jim Harbaugh. So a uh, win is a win. 
Uh, but McCarthy specifically, he's 48 for 55 passing in his first two games, 558 wow. yards, five touchdowns, no picks. He hasn't played a single snap in the fourth quarter yet. He's the first Big Ten quarterback with an 85% completion percentage or better in consecutive games over the last 25 years. Uh, he went 88.6% uh, in the first game and 86.6% in the second game. I know the competition sucks, but think of, of all the other Big Ten quarterbacks that have played two bad teams in a row and haven't had an 85% uh, completion percentage or better. So J.J. McCarthy's looking the, the part. I know the competition's been weak, and he's not really in the national conversation yet. Um, for you know, first round NFL quarterbacks, but I, I think ultimately he's going to be the the second quarterback pick behind um, Caleb Williams in next year's draft. And I'm just praying, I'm praying that the Bears can pick this man because Justin Fields is not it. So bring me JJ McCarthy, Michigan for Ohio State, kick Justin Fields to the XFL, and, and bring me JJ McCarthy, baby. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy! I mean, he was my Heisman pick, so I'm all in on on JJ McCarthy. He's, he's uh, lighting up the competition so far. I won't get into the Justin Fields chatter, but tough loss for the Bears and Bikes this week, so yeah. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, I'm just sick of the Bears, man. Every year losing to the Packers, I don't want to hear the excuses about the offensive line. Uh, there's plenty of quarterbacks that have succeeded at young age at a young age with bad offensive line. So, yeah, JJ's one. I got Joe Milton as well. That'll be a tough one in the swamp. Ethan Kalik Manis, the quarterback from Minnesota, huge, huge game um, for him in, in UNC. Look for him to to have a big game if they if if Minnesota wants to win. And then also, I'm going with Noah Kim. Obviously, a lot of controversy swirling around there. Um, and if Michigan State wants to stay in that game and and maybe have a good season in the Big Ten this year, he's going to have to play well. And I don't know who knows. Maybe he puts himself on on the map from a national perspective this weekend because. You know, all my Michigan State friends speak highly of the guy. Won the starting job in camp. I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, he puts himself on the map this weekend. Yeah, I think that's the name of the game for all these quarterbacks, um, especially um, Galiak Manis and Noah Kim. They're both going to have to have big games uh, to give their teams a chance to pull off the upsets in those ones. But like all those guys, like JJ, still uh, on the Heisman campaign trail. So uh, <laughs> still some sneaky games that could be fun here uh, here in this week. Nothing like uh, week four that's coming up, but still some sneaky ones and, and guys who can make a name for themselves. Yeah, some sneaky games if, if you're a college football nerd to tune into this weekend. If you're not you know, a diehard fan, maybe you know you can go outside, enjoy your Saturday, um, and then tune back in for NFL on Sunday. And then obviously college football next, next weekend, week four, where the slate is, is going to be uh, elite and you're going to be sitting on your couch all Saturday. Uh, but Joe, I mean, another great pod. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Um, week two. Week two was great. Uh, we'll see how, how week three pans out, but always fun doing this one with you. Uh, any final, any, any final thoughts you want to, you want to get out before we uh, wrap it up? No, I think it's, uh, you know, still some sneaky games. That'll be fun. Uh, keep an eye on some of those underdogs that could pull off a big up, pull off a big upset. Um, and, you know, NFL is back. So maybe uh, spend a little extra time on Sunday versus Saturday, but should be a fun weekend and, and we're getting ready for week four. And then after that, I think each week's going to have some really, really cool marquee games. Yep. So Appreciate you uh, coming on as always. Big pod coming next week. Going to be previewing week four. Uh, so excited for that one. Thank you all for listening and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace out. <laughs>